You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mino Lion Media presents Business First. Hi, all, and welcome to a new episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And today we're going to talk a little we're going to focus a little differently on um, what it means to be in business, what it looks like to be in business. Often, most of the conversations we've had over this last year have focused on individuals who have a particular product and or service and have attached a brand to that and have built that one brand or maybe diversified. Uh, but today, I'd like to talk about what it looks like to be an independent consultant and be able to grow your individual brand to serve a number of different uh, other brands. And so the person I have here to help me discuss this topic is a dear friend of mine. We work together at Black Enterprise, and he has used his expertise as a marketer uh, in the diversity and inclusion space to help a number of brands develop and grow. Um, independent contractors, and I want us to talk about this, are themselves business people. They are entrepreneurial in nature. Um, but we I don't think we often talk about what that looks like for people who, have, who might be struggling to develop their own brand. And so, Bob Ingram, I welcome you to the program. Thank you, Sonia. I'm blessed. And so I've, I've known you, I don't even know how many years now. It's been a long time. We've worked together on a number of different projects and we've connected on projects outside of where we work together. But you have been really successful over the years as building your brand as an independent contractor and working for a number of, of different brands. But that's not exactly how you started. So I want to get a sense of, you know, how you started and de developing your expertise and then how you decided to branch out and work for a number of other different places to help people understand how they can be innovative to expand and develop their, their, their products and their services. Well, so how I started out, that's uh, quite a lengthy story, but I'll try to keep it <laughs> short and sweet. Um, you know, I, 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 my career, you know, basically comes through the lens and, and the fulcrum of media and publishing, and particularly as it relates to focusing on Black and Brown people, uh, African Americans and, and Latinx, um, I, I had read this article on this uh, young man who he and his wife had started uh, this publication for Black and Latino, a couple of publications for Black and Latino engineers while they were at Cornell University. And there had been an article in the newspaper, and I, I read about it. And uh, what was interesting is, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later, I saw him in the airport. I walked up to him and we started talking and, you know, it took a period of a couple of years, but eventually I went to work for his company. And so you started in publishing. You actually became an associate publisher mm -hmm. yourself. Yes. And at, at, at that time, publishing was the really hot vehicle for for information. What is it that you've learned from your days in publishing that you've been able to transfer to a lot of the newer clients that you are working with today? Well, specifically, I've learned a lot of, of information that 
changes, you know, in a dynamic way every day, but with a particular emphasis and focus on Black people, on, on Latin Americans, you know, expanded into Asian Americans, and, you know, what in the marketing field they call the multicultural market, but within the realm of uh, some of the things we're dealing with in society and within corporations, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. So over the years, I've, I've developed, you know, through, you know, a lot of independent study, uh, talking to a lot of people, um, just really being interested and more importantly, Sonia, caring. I've, I've developed an expertise in the diversity, equity and inclusion space. Right. I was going to ask, which I think would be helpful for our audience. Did, were you deliberate in, in building this reputation or did it just happen because one job led to the next or one project led to the next? Um, and at what point did you say, you know what, this is my brand? So was I deliberate? So, you know, there's old saying the good Lord loves uh, fools and babies. I'm certainly not a baby. I don't think I'm, you know, foolish either. But there there was a great deal of happenstance in there and things just happened over time. You know, meeting a couple of key people, experiencing a a few events. Uh, I I kind of gave you... um, a quick snapshot of the arc of my encounter with Earl Graves from the time he he spoke at my commencement uh, in graduate school till like what seventeen years later, me meeting him at a big gala for Morgan State, having developed uh, expertise in the whole diversity, equity, inclusion, and then ultimately going to work for his company six seven years later. So you know there there were a lot of things that happened in you know I I, I got deliberate when it became apparent to me that this is where I could have a purpose that could help people. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, I, I think for most of us that, that are driven to any degree of accomplishment, it's about having a purpose and, and, and really knowing that you're doing something that elevates people and society. You know, a lot of us, uh, and, and I'm glad you said that too, because I think a lot of folks who are passionate about the areas that they're good in. A lot of people, I, th- I think more than not, there are a lot of people who can identify what their strengths are, what their passions are, or what they're really good at. Where people, I think, have difficulty is if they decide to leave a company or leave a job, how do I take this expertise? How do I take this passion? And now, as a business person, offer it as a service to, to someone else. Yeah, so uh, having worked inside of companies and never uh, a major corporation, uh, but having worked with major corporations and the executives that populate them and then having been, you know, outside of jobs and and just totally depending on myself with no net, you know, I I discovered that there are certain uh, nuances to each each area, shall I say. You know, you, you have a tendency to maybe focus a little more when there's no net and you don't have a great deal of support around you. And, you know, ultimately, you know, you have to really take a good look in the mirror and, 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 and give yourself the kind of talk that lets you know where your values are and, 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 and what it is that you really do and what it is that you really bring that's of value. And, and hopefully, you know, that syncs with a degree of reality. I want to just share this one point that I think, within that realm, Sonia, is uh, extremely important. 
I think, you know, those of us, particularly those of us who have been blessed to have parents and family communities support us in education, you know, sometimes, you know, it's been my experience that I can get caught up in my own head, but often where the direction and the calibration comes is it's external. And sometimes it's from people that don't even know you. Sometimes it's from your friends, sometimes it's your family, your children, you know, you'll just start getting clues and, 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 and some Sometimes these clues, you know, they have a thread and you hear them from different places and everything. And ultimately you recognize that there's a message that's coming through to you about your direction that is, it needs to be heard, it needs to be felt, and it needs to be acted upon. Okay. So those aren't coincidences. That's the, the universe, right? Just yes. kind of pushing yes. you toward, yes. toward what you're supposed to be. Yes. But you also said something that I think is really important as well. How do you, because at the end of the day, if you're excellent at what you do, how is it that you actually showcase the value? Like to have another organization or another company or another entity recognize the value. Is, is that like the hardest piece of this in terms of? Yeah. So, so you're hitting on something that, uh, can be layered in terms of how it's addressed because, you know, there are many sides to the truth, Sonia, um, but, you know, I can only speak my truth. And for my truth, you know, my opportunities have come through people and often they've been things that I haven't really sought. They've been incredible experiences, but, you know, it wasn't something that somebody laid out there for me or they say, hey, we got this position as a consultant doing this. It's my, uh, I, I guess, my God-given talent to establish, you know, relationships, relationships of, 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 of trust, of respect and regard, you know, with key individuals. And when these individuals, you know, have projects, initiatives, challenges that they need addressing, you know, I'll just pop up sometimes and they say, hey. Well, and, and, but I think it would be great if you could talk about that, because I think with so many of us who have, and I'll raise my hand, problems with networking and sometimes staying in touch, like, like what is it, what would you recommend for people that they can be top of mind? Yes. What I would recommend is, so I've got a story for everything. One of the things that goes with being old, one of the kind of like adages that really has helped me with business and I think can apply to most people in terms of them, you know, fulfilling, you know, their destinies as it relates to the world of work and purpose, which ultimately leads to, to happiness, is to take your mind off the money. Take your mind, take your eyes off the money. Don't get me wrong. The reason why we're professionals is because we get paid. But I think all too often, what people have a tendency to do is focus on money and the money is really only a, a means of exchange and money is also just a manifestation of what human beings best value in so ultimately we need to focus i when i focused on my values when i focused on the things that i care about that i'm passionate about it just seems that's when doors open for me. When I get too much caught up on inanimate things, on money, on bills, on pressures, you know, then, you know, it's like pushing a boulder up a hill, like that Greek mythological character, Sisyphus, who was a strong man. But as soon as he would get near the top, the rock would fall off his shoulders and he'd have to start 
all over again. You know, I, I really do believe that that metaphorically, we have wings and we're meant to fly. You told me um, a story uh, about Terry Williams. For those in the audience who don't know, Terry Williams was a like one of the best PR people ever. Um, and she'd written this book called The Personal Touch. But you had an experience with Terry that you talked about the other day that I thought was really interesting and exemplary of why she was so good at what she did and why she got all the business that she did get. Um, if you would recount that story for us. Sonia, so, you know, most of the things I've learned in life, you know, they come through people, but also, you know, the information I get through books and, and reading and uh Terry wrote this book several years ago that I think is a classic, The Personal Touch. There's a whole lot of things in there that a lot of us, we know already, but we never really necessarily put them all together. And one of the things that she shared about The Personal Touch is that her values are such that she wants to exhibit The Personal Touch to everybody she encounters, whether they're a celebrity, whether there's a big executive or somebody that can help her. You know, it doesn't matter. She she brings that same value, that same attention, that same energy to every encounter with a human being. So when I met her, you know, her book, it really helped me so much. And, and particularly, you know, the, the aspect that talks about staying in contact with people, the way you build your network, it's not just about contacting and staying in contact with people, but it's also about the quality of your interaction. It's about the quality and it's about you demonstrating a real caring for who they are and what, what's important to them as opposed to what's important to you and how you can use them to get what you want. That's not what good networking is about. So I met Terry at this event where there were a lot of big people in media, the, the brothers that owned uh, Essence Magazine at the time, Earl Graves from Black Enterprise, Tavis Smiley, uh, who had been on BET and had gone out on his own and was doing some great things with events. He was the, the host of it. And there were a lot of players in the room, but somebody mentioned Terry Williams and I just ran up to her because I wanted to meet her and kind of like a school kid. And with all of those people in there, I, I, I got in front of Terry Williams and she gave me the kind of focus that is really extraordinary for a human being who's busy and I dare say important. And a lot of people would always say that Bill Clinton had this trait. And the way it goes is like this. When you're talking to Bill Clinton and when I had that conversation with Terry Williams with all of the things that were going on in the room, I'm sure she was trying to get business. I'm sure she had some people much bigger than me, certainly wealthier and more connected, you know, to help her with their business. She was focused on me and it wasn't just an act. And the reason that I know it wasn't an act is because a couple of days later, I got a personal note from Terry Williams and she said, stay in touch. And I called her up and she picked up the phone and we stayed in touch for a while. So what's my point in all of that? You know, as much as possible, whatever it is that God, and I believe this divinity in every human being. There, there's, there's something in us that is divine. They say that when you put the amalgam of the chemicals that make up the human body, we're worth less than $20, you know, but there's that spark of magic in there that, that makes us ephemeral. Uh, uh, and, 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 and it takes us to another level. And in that regard, you know, every person has value. And I believe in business and particularly 
and, and connecting and, and doing business in the area that you're passionate about, it's about connecting to that spark, that spark that's inside of you. And somehow or another, people won't necessarily be able to, you know, hit on the, the specific points about the, 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 the glories and the benefits of, of knowing you and, and, and wanting to support you within the realm of your network, but they'll feel it. And that's important. I mean, Maya Angelou always said, right, if uh, people may not remember what they, you say, they may not remember what you do, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And yes. we've all been in those moments, and maybe we were, we've been guilty of it ourselves, when you shake somebody's hand and you know that they're, they, they, they're just doing the action, they're not paying attention, or they're nodding, but they're not hearing anything that you said. And Absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, that's... Sonia, I want to give an addendum to the Terry Williams piece, especially relative to her book, The Personal Touch. You know, at, at some point, I, I, I actually it happened to a friend of mine and he had gone out here and he made a few million dollars. And, you know, it wasn't so much just the money then. The money did impress me. But, you know, as men go and he was a guy I played basketball with. So we were very competitive. And it was maybe 10 years after we got out of college. And he said to me, and I thought it was a, a pretty uh, bold statement, Bob, you're not on my level. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You might have more money than me, but I'm more than on your level. And then he started going down a list of classic self-help books. Have you read such and such? Have you read this? Have you read The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale? Have you read Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz? Have you read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? And he just kept going on and on and on. And each book I hadn't read. And ultimately he said, see, you're not on my level. So what's my point? My point is that there's really not a mystery to life. There, there are principles and there are things out here. We all, I believe, come from the same source. We all have access to the same information. And ultimately we all have access to those principles that if we apply them in this realm will lead us to being happy as well as healthy because you, you really can't have one without the other. Absolutely. So I, I can't let you leave without you talking about your latest project, right? Which is the Urban Health Report, which was yes. born out of the pandemic. Um, and, we've, and, and, you know, we've had a number of people who've talked about, you know, pivoting or creating new products during the pandemic, but the Urban Health Report is an exciting new venture. Please tell us a little bit more about it. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that a little bit, Sonia. So, you know, I was just like sitting in my apartment and just like a lot of us, you know, locked in early. This is like uh, March, April, April, late April of uh, 2020. And I'm in Chicago and, you know, everybody's locked down except if you had to go to the store, had an emergency healthcare, something like that, or unless you were a central worker. And, you know, like everybody, I was just, you know, feeling a little stir crazy and everything. And anything that came over the news that was incendiary, you know, I was a little more sensitive to it. So this one particular day, um, Chicago's health department had been keeping records that really the Centers for Disease Control is supposed to keep and report. And I think that's under law. I think that's under statute. But, you know, we know that the, the politicians, especially the ones that are in control in D.C. right now, they started doing a lot of things that they 
that they should have been, been doing, but stopped doing it, it, as it related to public health. So what came out in Chicago that particular day that just grabbed me by the throat was that pretty much eight out of 10 people that had reported to the hospital and were diagnosed with COVID who died, eight out of 10 of them were black. And it just it just grabbed me. And I'm like, how could that be so? And I knew a little bit. I had done a foray in the healthcare and publishing back in, in the 90s when the Clintons were trying to do universal health care. So I, I knew something about the field. I knew a lot about the issues of uh, health disparities, comorbidities and all those things that ultimately at the foundation is racism. You know, ultimately, what, why our community is sicker than than most and what the voice, what spirit said to me is that you can't sit by and not do something where our people are this bad off. You need to do something to help our people be healthier, period. So I came up with the idea of the Urban Health Report. And the very first person I called to do a story was at a, a, a Black executive, a, a woman, at a major healthcare. I'm not going to say their name, but at a major healthcare and pharmaceutical corporation. And when I got on the line, I couldn't even get to, you know, the story part before, you know, we just started talking about the things that were going on in the industry, in the field, in the business. And she just came out of clear blue sky and said, I, I want to offer you uh, a consultancy. I want to I offer you a job as a consultant. And she offered it to me in an area that I never really thought about, but I, I know I'm qualified, but but I don't know, in a million years, if she hadn't bought it to me, I'm not sure I would have come up with that idea and packaged myself and went out and directly sold that. But basically, she wanted to tap into my network so that they could identify partners in the community, you know, like our Black fraternities, sororities, uh, the NAACP, the Lynx, you know, people that they knew that Black folks trusted so that they could be partners to get information out there about us and our lack of true representation in clinical trials. So, you know, so the Urban Health Report, you know, we're focused on a lot of things, but our, our, our mission is real simple, to help uh, uh, rid the world of health disparities for people of color. Blacks, uh, BIPOC, we say, Blacks and Indigenous persons of color, because those are the people that uh, from an indices standpoint, over-index in, in these health disparities. And a lot of it is, has to do with access. It has to do with where we live. It has to do with the stress that we encounter uh, uh, just because our skin color is different or we live in a, a different part of town. So, uh, you know, I'm about, we're about focusing on information and we've got several C's that we're trying to address and organize it to address getting rid of these disparities. One of them is culture. You know, you, you have to go through the lens of culture. And a lot of times, one of the reasons why they're not able to effectively treat our people is because they got people, they got professionals that aren't sensitive to our culture. They don't understand how we operate. They don't understand how we see things. They don't know anything about Tuskegee or Henrietta Lacks. The other area is careers. We, we need more people that look like us in these healthcare careers, and we want to promote careers in healthcare. Uh, the other thing is corporate because that's that's the big power. 
broker right now and where a lot of the focus on healthcare comes from is certainly the money. It comes out of major corporations. Uh, we also throw Congress in there because at the end of the day, often that which doesn't get legislated doesn't get funded and that which doesn't get funded doesn't get planned and that which doesn't get planned doesn't get done. So, you know, that that's the urban health report in a nutshell and it's, it's ambitious, but I've got some talented people working with me and I thank God you are and you're, you're a supporter. Um, um, we, 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 we're definitely looking at delivering the information electronically and digitally, which is the way that people are absorbing information, particularly to young people, particularly Generation Z and Generation Y. You know, we, we, we have to understand that the way that people, including me, receive information today, it's, it's different. Uh, I come out of the print world, Sonia, and that's where we met. And I was a devotee to, 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 to magazines and even the newspapers to a certain degree. And when people were talking about the death and they were like the dodo bird and the dinosaurs, you know, I didn't want to believe it. But it's just rare that I pick up paper today to get any information. I, I don't often I don't have time. If I go to the airport and I go in and a handful of magazines that are left on the stand, the newspaper, I might get one because I got time because I'm stuck in the airport. But, you know, we want to deliver the information the way that people are receiving it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Proud of you for developing it. It's definitely needed. And um, and, and I agree it is ambitious, but it's because the um, the state of, of healthcare for, for black people and people of color is, and we saw this during the pandemic, like we saw. Yes, how, yes, um, yes. And, we're, we're in, and I want to emphasize this, you know, I studied history in undergrad at historically black college and university, the oldest degree granting college, Lincoln University. And one of the things that stands out in our history, which I really don't like separating it, you know, black history in America is American history. You know, without Blacks, there is no history. But, you know, some of our most important and, 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 and influential heroes, you know, they were publishers. Frederick Douglass was a publisher. You know, uh, uh, John Russworm, Freedom's Journal, he was a publisher. The Crisis Magazine, you know, that, that out of the NAACP, you know, that came through information that was given our people. And if you recollect how the books, history books taught us the worst thing, crime that you could commit as a white person within the realm of, of, of the institution of slavery was to teach one of us to read. And there's a reason for that, because they knew that salvation and freedom comes through information and education. And, you know, now it's time for us to put together. And I think it's just critically important that we're the ones that are delivering the information for our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was, there was one piece that I forgot to ask you earlier when we were talking about working as an independent consultant, particularly around value um, and where a lot of us struggle, particularly black folks struggle, is pricing their talent to an organization. And so because um, our biggest fear is, particularly if we don't have a whole lot going on, is we never want to outprice ourselves. And so yeah. if you could give some advice to folks, and I thought it was important that you talked about not focusing on the money, because sometimes when we focus on the money, we can get a little desperate as well. When things are coming our way and you accept something, you accept it below below the salary or the, or the payment requirement, and, um, and then you get frustrated and angry that you're working this hard 
and you're not getting paid uh, what you're worth. And so what would you recommend to people who are, you know, figuring out how to um, price themselves in the marketplace so that they're fair to themselves and to the organizations that they're going after? So um, I'm going to throw you a curveball and then answer that more directly in, in a traditional matter. But I would recommend that anybody listening to this podcast, uh, if they're hanging on to this particular question, which I think is a great one, you know, for information, I would highly recommend uh, you see the movie Jerry Maguire and the character, uh, the football character that Cuba Gooding Jr. played in there. And that line that he kept saying, show me the money, show me the money. You know, he knew his worth, but he also recognized that when people were questioning it, questioning it, that he had to go out and perform. So first and foremost, you know, I, I think it's just important for people to do an inventory, a self-inventory and, 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 and try to be honest with yourself in terms of, you know, your accomplishments and what real unique skill sets and, and, and marketable uh, talents you bring to the table. That helps you establish a level of confidence to be able to get what you, what you deserve. The other thing is we're, we're in the age of information and there's nothing from making a, a, a cupcake to building an airplane that you can't find out that's not on YouTube or somewhere on the internet. So you can go on the internet and and just put in uh, uh, consultants in New York City for uh, restaurants that are bakeries. You know, something's going to come up. You're going to hit on something and you're going to get more informed on what that is. Certainly what, what always drives uh, negotiations, you know, for money, it, it, it's just critical that people, you know, are real clear on their fundamental and basic needs, you know. Maybe not, you know, necessarily needing uh, a contract that's going to, you know, allow you to, you know, when you take off to travel around the, the globe, but but something that's going to pay, you know, your basics and the essentials. Also, look at it from within the realm of the principles of work as they've been established in modern times. For the most part, we're still on a 40-hour work week type of uh, a matrix, although things have been skewed and clouded in, 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 in this virtual world. And now, you know, some of these employers, they think they're supposed to be able to get at you, you know, at all hours of the night when you would have been long been home and, you know, watching, you know, Monday night football or something. So I think it's important to uh, uh, try to figure out what, you know, a, a good hourly rate is for you. And if you've got that information for yourself relative to something that you've done where you were getting paid from a job, then you can calculate what that was. But there's always a standard for just about everything. And, and, and also having a good understanding of why that organization needs what you're bringing to the table, because then that gives you a good idea of, of the value you're bringing. And then and uh, certainly some information as to who else is out here in the marketplace that could bring it to them. You know, more often than not, many of us, I, I know a number of friends that have enough information, especially let's say from the standpoint of uh, putting a supplier diversity program together for a major corporation. 
I've got a number of friends that can do that, like pretty much on their own. But sometimes these corporations, they'll hire a McKinsey and company or Deloitte, one of these big consultant firms, and they'll pay them hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, you know, it's just important to get a realistic view of what the universe looks like for the skill set and the type of work that you as a, as a consultant, as a contractor uh, would be doing. And then this is key. I, I think also key. Recognize that if you do a contract where you're getting $100,000 a year, already our partner, uh, Uncle Sam, he's going to get at least $30,000, $33,000 of that. So that, that $100,000 is not even all yours. So, you know, you, you got to count for, you know, the, the things that, uh, you know, requires you to be in business. Okay. All righty. Great information, Bob. Thank you so much for stopping by. And we look for, I look forward to having continued conversations with you. We have to have you back when the Urban Health Report launches. Absolutely. I look forward to that and really excited about what you, Ken, and Ariel are doing with this podcast. Uh, would love to support you, maybe give you some ideas of how you can expand your market. This is vital information that our people need and the people perish for the lack of knowledge. So I just thank you guys and admire you for what you're doing. Thank you, Bob. You take care. God bless. Okay. And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Take care. The Business First Podcast is hosted and produced by Sonia Lee. Associate producer, Ariel Mancibo. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business First Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on social at business underscore first underscore podcast on IG. The Business First Podcast is a mean old line media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.